0: Daily Drive is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting rayray.com/retailanywhere. That's r e y r e y dot com/retailanywhere.
1: Hi everyone and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Schmidt with Automotive News. It's Thursday, September 9th. Retailing in the automotive industry is undergoing massive disruption. Consumer expectations and shopping behaviors continue to evolve, influenced in many ways by their retail experiences with brands and other industries. Dealers and automakers continue to invest in and experiment with digital retailing tools in their efforts to connect with and create brand loyalty... And new players, many of whom are digital natives, continue to emerge and thrive, creating an entirely new basis of competition in the business of selling and servicing vehicles. Marco Schnabel, CEO and co-founder of Automotive Mastermind, says automotive dealers have come a long way in engaging consumers in ways that meet today's expectations. He also says the value of in-person experiences at the dealership cannot be understated. In fact, it's a moment in the shopping experience he says can create long-term customer loyalty at the point of sale, throughout the ownership life cycle as consumers service and repair their vehicles, and when they are ready to buy their next vehicle. It's a competitive advantage, he says, that dealers with brick-and-mortar facilities have that emerging online automotive retailers simply don't. Schnabel and the team at Automotive Mastermind are helping dealers across the country take advantage of the digital transformation underway in automotive retailing by helping sales teams connect with consumers earlier in the customer journey and helping create loyalty in the service lane. And while he says dealers have come a long way, he also says there is plenty of opportunity for dealers to think through the digital retailing strategies and adopt best practices that will help them better drive revenue in a space that continues to become more competitive. What are those best practices? And what's his advice for dealers thinking about their approach to digital retailing? We've reached Automotive Mastermind CEO and co-founder Marco Schnabel in Florida. Marco, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast. How are you?
2: Great, Steve. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderful. It's good to talk to you. Exciting topic today, and that is about retailing in automotive Lots of interesting transformation going on, and that's part of the industry. Why don't we start with your assessment overall of automotive retailing? What's changing and what are the trends and perhaps consumer behaviors that are driving that change?
2: Yeah, thank you for that. I, I would ask the question, what's not changing? Um, you know, our team and myself, were in talking to dealers on a daily basis, and uh, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. It's exciting. It's nerve-wracking to see the change go through the industry. Where, you know, I would say two years ago, three years ago, we started to think about yeah, there might be electric vehicles. Maybe a couple of the OEMs already had them. We started thinking about the future of ride-sharing, subscription models, and um, you know, digital retailing coming up on the horizon. I think the last year and a half, the last couple of years. Have accelerated a lot of this. And um, despite the fact that there are um, a lot of uncertainties, I do believe the times are extremely exciting. And the best OEMs and the best dealers and dealer groups are fully maximizing their p- potential and they're experimenting with great new ideas. So, specifically right now, I think um, the, the, the COVID uh, situation has certainly brought digital retailing to. To everybody's uh, front of mind, I think customers' uh, expectation have changed. They have realized contactless uh, dialogues, uh, negotiation, and also purchases are very much possible. And I think dealers have done a remarkable job in in being entrepreneurial, pivoting on a dime, and providing these services to uh, to a very. Uh, broad customer base, so that's exciting that's that's uh, that that has uh, probably shifted and also long term shifted the uh, the sales process and I think right now you know we're seeing uh, interesting uh, inflections in prices and profitability of dealerships. Uh, I think most dealers realize this is something they uh, wanna take should take advantage of but also have a uh, mid to long term Focus on their customer and their customer retention on the loyalty of their customers. It's highly, highly valuable for the longevity and the health of a business. And um, you know, what do you want to do through a time where well, also inventory is very short and likely uh, stay at a at a shorter level for at least the next year, um and, and maybe all of 2022 going into 2023. So those are just some of the the different streams we're seeing and experiencing. That keep uh, keep our lives exciting and, and also certainly the, the lives of our partners at the dealer and OEM level.
1: Well, it's all of those things. And I think another feature, another uh, factor, I think is a better word, driving all that is, is this emergence of new types of players when it comes to... Automotive retailing, uh, Carvana, Room—just to name a, a couple—and and I think there's different competitive advantages that those new players offer, uh, and and vice versa, different competitive advantages that traditional brick-and-mortar dealers. Uh, deliver in terms of that customer experience as well. So, why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit when you look at the Carvanas, the Vrooms, these new emerging retailers? What consumer advantages do those players offer that perhaps traditional brick and mortar dealers do not?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I think there's there's a variety of of angles we can uh, explore in that question. You know these tech companies, or well, they are retailers, but in my mind, I call them tech companies as they uh, they came to market. Um, and they had a more or less uh, a blank sheet of paper to plan their business model, and they led with a tech first approach in in many cases, which uh, which is great because you don't have all of that legacy. Uh, that, that legacy of, of brick and mortar behind you, so you can start somewhat from uh, from a you know from a fresh, or you start fresh, and and therefore can plan it maybe differently than having already uh, invested in properties uh, in the United States or or elsewhere. So um, the advantages for customers is that the um, the process because it's highly tech driven. Seems very easy on the front end, you know. It, it's 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 a lucrative um, value and proposal to a customer to say, "Look, you can do this very fast. You don't have to come in. It's all, you know, it's no hassle." I I, uh, I laugh and and also cringe when I think about the room commercial at the Super Bowl where where uh, the customers were getting tortured by uh, by a sales manager or F and I manager. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it was meant as a joke, but uh, I know myself coming from the dealer world, uh, I took a little bit of an offense to it because I do think the dealers are doing uh, a remarkable job in providing good and great customer experience. So, um, but nonetheless, the, the the message was avoid any hassle at the, at the store, forget about driving in somewhere and going through a lot of difficulties. Just click a few buttons and the car shows up and if that's the promise then that works certainly for you know a bunch of, of customers because mm-hmm. they like um, you know they, they they just think about the uh, the car as a as a means of transportation they just need something quick and they don't have a lot of time and 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 if the process works flawless and your expectations are aligned with the ultimate product that shows up at your front door and the experience you have with that product then that's then that's a good thing you know for for that particular customer and that customer experience. But I do think um, there's tons of room in the future now and in the future left for the, the human interaction part. And I think there are also some examples where this, uh, uh, this very digital focused model is already showing some cracks in in their brick and mortar, if you will, in, in their model, where customers are not getting what they expected um, where customers are uh, suffering because there's no one person that they can engage with um, when they have a problem with a car or when the when the vehicle has an issue. So I think the the strong and also regionally embedded brick and mortar franchise network still has its its place here, and I think it's a very strong place that's that has uh, lots of upside in the in the future. Because for me, I used the example of a, of a recent experience. I went to a, a, a home improvement store just last week. And I um, actually liked going there and, and looking at, I needed to buy an air compressor, looking at the physical product. Um, but then I asked the person to please help me because uh, this was the first time I had to buy an air compressor. And uh, I had a few questions. The experience, unfortunately, was very poor because I could, I could quickly tell that the person was just giving me answers based on what each package of the box had written on the outside on it. So uh, I I was able to read it myself and and try to answer questions myself. However, if that person would have been remarkable in the way they provide their service, give me the, the, the benefits of each of these different products, I would be much more likely to return for my next product. In this example, you know it was easier for me to go on, let's call it Amazon, look at some reviews, educate myself on on a YouTube side and and make a decision on which compressor I should be buying, which I actually did in the store while 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 combing through these different air compressors. So this, the, 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 I guess the the point of my story is, you know people need help. these are big purchases, these are big decisions. These are also highly emotional decisions and having that uh, trusted partner that not only provides a great experience that's very customer centric, but also provides um, you know, valuable information is what I- I- is hard to compete with when you are a, a digital only uh, retailer, right? When there is nobody you can actually trust, look in the eye, touch the product, and you kind of have to rely on the tech and the ultimate product that gets delivered in front of your house. So I think, again, there's pros and cons for both. I I, I do believe uh, for the next few years, both models have uh, a very significant role to play for different segments of the market, and they will be competing with one another, no doubt.
1: Well, it's so interesting because that in-person touch point and that product knowledge, that product expertise, I think, to your point, Those are all a competitive advantage for franchise dealers. But I also think, and I'd like to talk a little bit about the opportunity beyond the transaction, because I think in this day and age, that has as much to do with the customer experience as the actual transaction of purchasing the vehicle. What is your point of view on brick-and-mortar traditional dealerships, franchise dealerships, opportunity to create customer loyalty beyond the transaction that service that maintenance portion of the ownership experience
2: yeah i think it's tremendous uh it, you know 10 years ago i uh, i sold cars and part of our sales process was that on the time of delivery you would do deliver yourself. You would make sure that the customer's needs are fulfilled, their, their phone and Bluetooth is paired, their navigation is set up, but you would also walk them over to their future service advisor and um, you know establish a, a first meet and greet, a relationship. But then it really comes down to where do you go from there? Uh, so the first service comes up or the first flat tire comes up, and you as the sales representative might get the call, and being really mindful of how important it is that you provide in that very moment, although there's no commission check attached to it, you provide a great customer experience, a great moment of service and connectivity to say, "You know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, this is not a problem. Let me help you call roadside assistance, uh, let me actually get the person I introduced you to." On the phone with us here to uh, to help coordinate uh, European needs. So it's just one example of where uh, I think at the dealer level that many dealers do this. So this is not um, any any uh, feedback or criticism, but I think that's where I would invest as a dealer to 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 help my personnel always put the customer in 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 the in the driver's seat, if you will, always take care of the customers regardless of what the situation is and regardless if it's sales or service related, if it's a question, you know, if it's, uh, I remember at the time, you know, the, some of the cars 10 years ago didn't have automatic uh, daylight saving times updates. So we would start calling customers and just help them set their clocks and that was a great experience or set their garage door openers for them. It's those small things that 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 drive loyalty and I think that's where you know these investments and their, their investments in technology. So you know where the customer is in their purchase cycle. You know what to talk to them about. It's it's the investment in in, in training around these things. Um, that's where great dealers are setting themselves apart. I was talking to a, a mastermind partner yesterday, and they were telling me, "Look, we are blessed with high profitability right now, but we are investing heavily now. And what does the world look like when?" Inventory returns or the demand starts to to go back and uh, and that's the right attitude, you know looking ahead and not just sitting in the here and now uh, thinking about how I can make every dime and and every dollar on on every trade or or sale.
1: We'll be right back with more
0: as online experiences exploded this past year, it was clear dealers needed an approach that kept them in business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and dave Bates. Top Reynolds executives sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion. So, what are dealers trying to do to get this fully online and online to in-store experience?
2: I mean, that's a great question and honestly, it's a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers it's selling a car, to other it's sales and F&I and they they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus, you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach, and then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on, you know, more of a big picture.
0: Digital retailing is dealership operations. Period. Reynolds Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big-picture, holistic approach, visit reyrey.com slash retail anywhere. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash retail anywhere. So let's
1: talk about that. The conversations that I've had with dealers over on the show, looking at what various dealers are doing when it comes to the broad brush of digital retailing. It's a pretty wide gamut. Everything from digital retailing for me means that a customer can sign their documents electronically to the other end of the spectrum when you look at some of these new VR-enabled vehicle configurators where my digital experience is literally sitting inside a digital twin of an automobile to allow me to uh, understand it, uh, experience it, et cetera, et cetera. That's a wide gamut. So, my question is, what is what is your assessment of digital retailing amongst dealers uh, at this point? Because it's a it's a pretty wide spectrum, at least in my view, of where they're focused and what digital retailing actually means for some of these organizations.
2: Yeah, I think right now we're still in the uh, in the storming uh, stage, right? followed by uh, forming and norming of digital retailing. There have been some um, really sizable acquisitions of some of the digital retailing providers by larger DMS or larger tech providers. Uh, just recently, uh, OEMs are coming into the market with their own solutions. Dealer groups are coming into the market with their own solutions. So there are probably you know, five to 10 uh, uh, providers that, uh, that all offer a variety of, of services that, that eventually want to um, um, close the loop on a fully digital experience. I don't think we're fully there yet. I think the ShakeOut is going to continue, and uh, maybe the number goes from 10 to 543. Um, you know, we as a company, we're, we're actually investing in enabling all the, the parties that are out there. We don't, we don't think there needs to be uh, another solution as this phase is, is also one where I think all these different providers are getting a lot of feedback from the market. And I don't think that that final best practice has yet been found. There's a lot of really good practices And depending on what customer segment you are in, where a fully digital experience is exactly what you want, you know, I think we're really close to, and some some of these providers are really close to doing it exceptionally well. There's probably more work that needs to be done. But if I'm a dealer today and, you know, I'm thinking about competitors such as Broom, Carvana, I hear about large dealer groups uh, investing heavily in the digital retailing space, I need to kind of think about, okay, where is, you know, what's my customer base look like? You know, what's what are their demographics today? How critical is it? Maybe talk to a few customers. Say, would you consider buying completely digital from us with someone being on a on a chat function or on a call function available to you whenever you need? Maybe you have a BDC that could could uh, act as your digital retailing arm and, and you know, uh, evolve or revolutionize the way that a BDC is, is currently operating on the sales side, right? I mean, the service side uh, I'm leaving out for now because I, I do think actually that there, the digital process on the service side is more matured and has already longer been in, in place um, in, in the in the industry. But uh, the, the retail side is much more complex with, with uh, approvals um, and also regulatory uh, requirements. So. I would assess my markets, my customer base, my uh, my team, their skill sets. And then I would look at these different providers and say, you know, what do they offer now? How innovative have they been? Are they being acquired? Have they been acquired? Are they, you know, are they standalone? Because uh, that has a little bit of an impact what other suites you can tap into, how innovative are they? How fast can they move? Um, and then maybe even try a couple of things, right? You, you don't have to just, uh, you know, this is these are add-ons. They're not as big as a DMS change. So, you could also say, I'm going to try one or two different providers and collect customer feedback. But eventually, you need to create a a process around one digital retail solution. I think and train your people on it, and then constantly talk to your customers. Right? Have somebody in the FNI office ask a question. Say, well, you know, uh, Mr. Mrs. Jones, I I realize you uh, you bought your car. You used our digital retailing product. What did you like about it? And just learn from it. You, you're you know, dealers as I said earlier are so entrepreneurial. And this is a is a true time of change in the automotive industry. It's it's always been changing, but I think right now with all of these different currents coming in, there's a lot of change happening. So staying close to customer feedback is key. And and the reason why I'm so so passionate about listening to your customers, we at Mastermind do the same thing. You know, we talk to Hundreds and hundreds of dealerships every week as our partners and also prospects to say what's working for you, what's not working, what do you need? And that informs our development and product roadmap. And I think that's the same thing that should happen now in dealerships with these different currents. The best source of information is to talk to your existing customers, prospects, and customers you have lost. You know, I think a a sales manager or channel manager picking up their phone and calling. Five customers a day or even if it's five a week that didn't buy from you and just having an honest conversation, say, what went wrong? Tell me, you know, spending five to 10 minutes. So spend an hour every week just talking to clients that you lost, uh, loyalty customers that didn't buy from you again, which happens a lot right now, or uh, customers that, that came in the showroom and in your CRM, you see that they went somewhere else and, and the opportunity was lost. Talk to them, learn from them. Listen to what they have to tell you. I guarantee you, if you do it for one month, you have more ideas that you never thought about on how to improve your business and future-proof it than than you could have ever come up with by yourself. And that's again, that's what we try to do. Because often we think we're <laughs> we're the smartest people in the room. We can solve our own problems. But the moment you talk to people, you realize the problems you thought you have are actually not problems. But there's some stuff that that is much bigger. That you need to address that's outside of of what you could come up uh, by yourself
1: i think one of the things that you're describing here uh, is perhaps what digital natives understand a little bit more clearly because they live in this space is this notion that these technologies number one the levels of the, the the barriers to entry to getting access to technologies that allow you to do exactly what you're doing relatively quick relatively low cost, right get examples set up mock digital environments, test consumers you can do that relatively cheap even if you're a small independent dealer, you can do that relatively cheap and relatively quickly using some of yes. these these digital technologies and 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 I think that could be, Something that traditional dealers might not naturally gravitate, might not naturally have that mindset or know how to do that compared to some of these more digital na- native retailers. Would you agree?
2: Yes, totally. Um, I, I think most dealers, because they're, they're, they're entrepreneurs by nature, react very quickly to, to a changing environment. mm mm-hmm. The, the I don't think there's a lot of cost associated with testing the waters and getting customer feedback. It's just a process. It's just discipline. It's just having, you know, making the time and having the courage to talk to someone that turns you down. Um, but that's ultimately what, what's just a great piece of data and information to make good decisions. I give you another examples we're seeing from a lot of dealers right now, where I think, you know, um, you, you are. I mentioned them before. Carvana and Vroom are probably uh, um, excluded from from even being this innovative. Innovative. Um, think about the situation on the new car side right now. Where inventories are very low, historically low. Dealers and OEMs, but specifically dealers, are now having conversations based on strong data assets, based on great marketing engagement with customers that are not even in market yet. So why, why would you want to do that? Well, right now we have the, the toilet paper syndrome. Not only people that need a car think they should buy one right now, but also people that don't need a car are out there shopping for, uh, for vehicles right now, even though the prices are extremely high and the desired car might not even be available in the whole United States. And by the way, that's also the reason why we're seeing a lot of defection to other dealerships right now. Um, but being, being, being out there in market, and, and that's what we call the toilet paper syndrome, like everybody thinks they have to buy right now, has created this avalanche of demand driving up prices. Now, dealerships are actively going with tools, technology, and marketing to customers that are three, four, five months out, working with them to reserve an order, place an order making sure that demand doesn't even become part of this larger avalanche and the customer has a car ordered, they can relax. They don't have to get into the, this, this high-price market. And by the time January, February, for example, comes around, a traditionally low, uh, low sales uh, period, you have already your order banks filled or, 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 or a sheet of paper filled with, with orders that are then coming in. So that's being really innovative, and that doesn't even require, you know, any to do anything different other than just finding that type of audience, engaging with them, and then, be it on a piece of paper or be it in an order, OEM ordering system, logging the order and taking a deposit and creating an amazing customer experience. You don't have to stress, you don't have to worry. You can get exactly what you want. Yeah, is there some fluctuation in price? Probably. Is there some fluctuation in delivery time? Probably. But you you likely going to be much better off than getting into this this toilet paper hype, you know when when you do need a car.
1: Marco, thank you so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. I think your perspectives on dispelling perhaps what are complex challenges when it comes to retail are comforting and are going to be helpful. This is this is not an overwhelming topic, uh, at least based on what you're describing here. It's it's do your homework. It's focus on the customer. It's get feedback and, and make moves that that are manageable.
2: That's it. I I think you summarized it well. And of course, the deep uh, the devil is in the detail, and it's much harder when you actually sit across from a customer and look them in the eyes than it is when you sit on a podcast. So uh, I have all the empathy in the world for for the retailers out there, but uh, you know sometimes just having those conversations, going the extra mile, taking really good care of of people. It's not only the right thing to do, but it can also be a lot of fun. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Hope I didn't oversimplify it. And and it was great, Steve. So thank you for having me.
1: That's Daily Drive for Thursday, September 9th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash Daily Drive. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy your day. I'll be back tomorrow.